welcome to the Canine Conservationists podcast, where we're positively obsessed with conservation detection dogs. Join us every week to discuss ecology, odor dynamics, dog behavior, and everything in between. I'm your host, Kayla Fratt, and I run Canine Conservationists, where I train dogs to detect data. Today, I'm talking to my dear friend and former boss, Marissa Martino, about, oh gosh, we talked about so many things. We mostly were talking about how to show up and work with your dog when maybe you don't want to. And, you know, how specifically in this line of work, sometimes we have to do that in a way that an average pet home might not have to. But it it turned into this kind of amazing and weird therapy session that I, I hope you guys really enjoy and find valuable as we're kind of talking about giving ourselves grace and moving forward as good trainers. Um, so I really hope you enjoy this and I'm really excited to get to it. But before we do, let's talk about our weekly suggestion. So this week, I want to, you know, our weekly suggestion is just train the dog if you're struggling. If you're frustrated with something with the dog, or, you know, or your friends or yourself, just figure out a plan and start chipping away at it. And this sounds glib, but I don't, I don't mean it or flip. I don't mean it to be that way. So the example here was that I've been really um, kind of frustrated with Niffler and I'd kind of labeled him as like this independent dog who like didn't listen to me and didn't stay close off leash. And it was just like, oh God, teenage boys. Like I was just kind of like, well, he'll grow out of it. He's a border collie. He'll get better off leash. And I wasn't working on it and I wasn't working on it. And then I was just realizing that like, okay, I'm getting frustrated by this. So I went ahead and started working on it. I started carrying a pocket full of treats and taking them on a, an off-leash walk, just a little 10 minute walk every afternoon, every evening and rewarding him for check-ins. And I'm gonna tell you something that's gonna blow your mind. It's getting better. I, I was like making excuses and labeling him and just kind of like moving on. And it's not that this was driving me nuts. It's not that it was a welfare issue. It was potentially a safety issue, but I was just kind of ignoring it. And it turns out if you stop ignoring problems, sometimes they get better. So that's um, our weekly suggestion. And now let's get to our interview with Marissa. So thanks for coming on the podcast, Marissa. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So, you know, you and I were talking, um, gosh, a couple weeks ago now about, mm -hmm. um, you know, I had had a hard day of um, working with Niffler and was feeling kind of frustrated um, about like our relationship. So you were the first person I wanted to talk to about kind of handling the relationship you have with your dog and how to put that first when you also have a job to do. So, mm -hmm. you know, that's what we're here to talk about. And we we don't have a script, so I don't know if you want to jump in with any initial thoughts or questions or or let's just yeah. go for it. Well, first of all, I was thrilled to receive the message from you. And also when you're thinking about relationships, my name came in your mind. So thank you so much. I'm I'm really excited about that. But I also when I when I received your text and you said I have to work with Niffler. Like there was like mm -hmm. there's like urgency in the words that yeah. you use. Like I have to work with him. It's for my job. And yet, what if I can't work with him that day emotionally? Or like, what if he can't work with me? Like, so how do I navigate that in order to support the relationship, but also like get the job done? And yeah, so exactly. I was, I mean, as you know, I know nothing about conservation. So like, I don't, I don't, um, I'm not going to give conservation tips here, right? <laughs> but I think what I was most curious about when I read your text was like, what is defining that urgency? Mm -hmm. And, and is that urgent, like, is urgent the word that you would use to describe like how you're feeling when you have to get a job done? Yeah, I, I do think it's maybe pressure almost. Um, cause mm -hmm. Not necessarily, to me, urgency feels a little bit like a, like a rush, like a time rush. crunch. Mm -hmm. um, and I wasn't necessarily feeling that, but I believe the day that I texted you, and I wish I had taken notes or like written this down um, because it's been so long since this initial, we initially opened this conversation mm -hmm. and, and now we're recording it. Um, I believe that I just, I had a morning where I woke up on the wrong side of the bed. I was grouchy. And I was just not in a mood where I would recommend training your dog. Mm -hmm. You know, like I just, I was crabby. I needed to, I needed to go for a run, do some yoga and maybe like answer some emails and then maybe come back to my dog in the afternoon. But because the, the temps were going to be hot, I don't remember how warm it was going to be that day, but most of our days here in Nebraska this summer have been in the eighties, nineties, or even into the hundreds in the afternoons. Mm -hmm. So I need to be able to like get out of bed and 
get to work with my dog. And it wasn't even so much about Niffler, you know, it wasn't that he was doing annoying teenage boy stuff per se. He was just, just being a coworker. Um, and I think, you know, in the positive reinforcement dog community, we talk a lot about, you know, making sure you're coming into your training in the right headspace. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I didn't have that luxury at times this summer. Um, and I've had that feeling before in this job, um, but I was feeling it particularly acutely. And maybe this does relate to the fact that Niffler is a teenager in that, you know, our working relationship isn't as smooth as my relationship with Barley. So there are still more, there are more hiccups with him for sure. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side of it, his reinforcement history is lower with searching. So it is easier if I get frustrated with him and yank on the leash a little hard or, you know, recall him with a a harsher tone of voice than I would like to, it is easier to set him back in his training than it is with Barley. And I don't think it's actually necessarily that Niffler's any more sensitive than Barley. It's just that he's, he's younger and newer and Barley, because he's been playing this game for so long, it's much easier for him to kind of absorb a bad mood or bad training. Mm -hmm. So I think if I remember right, that's kind of where all of this was coming from. And I just kind of wanted to, to brainstorm and talk about it and see if we can come up with anything. Because again, I think most of us would say, oh, you're in a really, you're in a bad mood or, you know, you're having a rough day or whatever, just, you know, take your dog for a decompression walk. And that's, that's good enough for today. But with my job, my dogs are my coworkers sometimes. And I, I have to be able to train them on days where I don't want to sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's almost this blending of the relationship between like my dogs aren't just my dogs, they're also my coworkers. And sometimes you don't like your coworkers and you still have to work with them. Yeah. And I'm curious to know in the past when you didn't like mm-hmm. your coworkers, what did you do? I don't think I have had many jobs where I have been Keep in mind I was your coworker at one point. I know. <laughs> I know well. <laughs> Well, but I was even thinking like DFL, Dumb Friends League, which for many of our listeners, they probably know that's where Marissa and I met. She was my manager there um, in Animal Shelter. Um, I haven't had many jobs where I've needed to collaborate closely with my coworkers Mm. if I'm not in a good mental space for that. I haven't had a lot of jobs where I have to do that, especially like day in and day out. Because one of the things I've found is, you know, I have worked as like a sea kayaking guide or whatever, but I mm-hmm. only did that a couple days a week. And that is a really high stress job. But because I only did it a couple days a week, I could kind of like most, I would say pretty much all the time I could get myself in the headspace I needed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wasn't having to do it kind of day in, day out for weeks at a time. So and, I'm not sure, you know, I'm not sure if yeah. I've had to collaborate closely with coworkers when I'm having a hard time, or I might have just I might just communicate to them and just say, hey, can we reschedule this meeting? I'm not in a great headspace. Or like, can we table this conversation and move things, um, you know, either temporally or just kind of let them know, like, I'm I'm in a weird headspace today. Like, let's, I don't know whether, you know, again, like mm-hmm. maybe tabling or, or delaying discussions or just kind of like being like, if my texts come off or my, my emails come off a little, a little curt or they're coming in a little late, like hopefully I'll be back on the ball tomorrow. Yeah. So it sounds like you're, you're proactively sort of knowing what is coming up for you and that you're a little bit off and that you might not maybe show up as your best self. And then you are pushing back right? Any sort of meeting or something like that, or you are just communicating with your colleague that like, Hey, I'm, 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 I'm off. Right. Yeah. Um, Why is that not an option for the training? I think, so the way that our, our summer has been scheduled for this particular job is that we have um, a set number of turbines that need to be surveyed each, each week. Mm Mm-hmm. And ideally, each turbine is surveyed exactly seven days apart. So if it's done on a Tuesday, it's always done on a Tuesday. Um, And we don't have many other tasks. So it doesn't, I'm not quite sure what it would look like to kind of push things off um, other than, and I have done this a couple times this summer where I've done kind of the minimum amount of turbines that I need to do that day. And then even just been like, okay, and tomorrow is going to be a longer day, but like, I just need to go home um, and just cut the day shorter. But 
um, again, because of the temperatures and the way that this particular study is kind of set up, there's not really a good way to be like, okay, I'm going to put the dog away and just do a computer day of work today or something like that. Mm -hmm. So there is like temperature, like mm -hmm. weather conditions, in addition to the schedule of mm -hmm. the actual project. And are you and Niffler working daily? Yes. Like, do you yeah. have to so be out we in the were, field daily? Yeah, we work together Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday in general. Um, and then so the weekends and Wednesdays are supposed to be kind of rest days or like swing days in case we have thunderstorms or something and need to catch up. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, yeah. So let's go back to the day mm -hmm. that you felt this way and you were mm -hmm. um, texting me and you woke up, you said grouchy, right? Like on yeah. the wrong side of the bed, you're just like in a mood. Right. And yeah. who knows why, right? Like so many contributing factors to why that happened, maybe. Yeah. Um, so when you started to notice that you were grouchy, what was the initial thought that you had? I think probably some amount of like resentment almost that kind of came from feeling like I didn't have many options of just kind of mm -hmm. again like being like oh, crap like I'm I'm just really not feeling it today I just don't want to be at work but I feel like I have to show up and be cheerful and be this cheerleader for my dog and like deal with the fact that you know we might flush a jackrabbit or something and like respond to that appropriately and in a way that I can feel good about and I just like almost like probably I was already spiraling before anything even happened because it was just like, ugh, it's going to be hot. So I have to get going early. I mm -hmm. have to go to work because, you know, we're supposed to have thunderstorms on Thursday or whatever it was. Um, you know, so I can't just not work today and plan on working extra another day. And like, there's going to be things um, that come up that are just a normal part of this job. And again, I think one of the the toughest things for me is like figuring out how to put on that that cheerful face and being a good positive reinforcement dog trainer when I'm just really not not feeling it. You know, <laughs> like mm -hmm. I don't know a better way to say it right now. Yeah, no, no, I, I I get what you're saying. So then, what did you do? So you woke up, you felt frustrated, you felt sort of trapped. I guess is mm -hmm. is is what I'm sensing. And then, what'd you do? I think I went to, you know, I, I obviously I went to work. You know, there are some things that I can do to kind of minimize my own frustration throughout the day um, that can help. So, you know, one of the things that I will decide to do based on how I'm feeling is like, is working Niffler on a long line or off leash going to feel better? Because like on one hand, if he's on a long line, I'm not going to lose him to jackrabbits or something, mm -hmm. um, which is good because losing him to jackrabbits obviously makes me a lot more frustrated. On the other hand, I think if I'm in a really bad place, sometimes having him off leash is actually better because then I can't. Yeah. Yeah. Give a leash correction. Um, and sometimes when I'm not my best self, that's actually probably a good thing to not have the option for me. Mm -hmm. um, good job so, noticing both of those things. Yeah. And, and, and it's tough to kind of have to balance the two because, you know, again, if he takes off after a jackrabbit, that's a really good way to make, to really like send me into a spiral where again, like if I was just on a hike or a walk, I'd probably just be like, okay, time to go back to the truck. We're done for the day. Mm-hmm. But I just don't, I don't feel like I have the option in this job. Um, yep. And that's not even necessarily, that's not saying anything bad to my current employers or anything. It's just like, you know, I'm being paid to show up and, yeah, and it's just the find schedule stuff with and, my dog. And yeah, I need so to be a professional about that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so I know at least a couple of the days this summer where I've had this problem. Um, I have, again, just kind of worked like, okay, if I get like, six turbines done or whatever it is then i can go home and i'm leaving a short enough to-do list that if i'm feeling better tomorrow i can easily get it all done tomorrow so trying to like get enough done that i'm kind to my future self mm -hmm. but just working like kind of a minimum amount um you know some of the other self-care things that i can do are on this particular project we also have some human only searches so i might scatter in the sprinkle in those human only searches a little bit more to get myself a little bit more time and they're they're nice as far as like if you're in a bad mood you're just you're you're walking 100 meters to the wind turbine walking around it and walking 100 meters back to the vehicle so it's just a nice little like 
power walk, which can be yeah. good for mental health. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, doing some of that and then, yeah, I mean, I think those are kind of the big things that have felt like they're kind of within my control mm -hmm. um, that aren't directly training related. And I don't, I guess the other thing that I have done that is kind of directly training related is making sure to just carry good food reinforcers with me. Um, and sometimes I can kind of fake it till I make it with if I do some good food-based training with Niffler and really kind of playing with him and reinforcing him for the stuff I like, that can help boost my mood. I just don't really like relying on on that to fix things. Why not? Um, I think I think it feels a little unfair to him, even though it is probably in his long-term best interest. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know why. Do, why do I feel like that? Yeah, I guess I guess I have kind of strong feelings about not wanting to rely on my dogs for my not yeah, not like relying or overusing my dogs to to help my own mental health or to boost my own mood. Like obviously they do that, but I don't I don't necessarily like leaning into that too much. It feels like a lot of pressure for them. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, maybe I... I'm overthinking that too. I would agree with you on that perspective, right? And I think our culture yeah. does that in a weird way with, in a variety of different ways about yeah. dogs. But um, if you're doing food training with him, like how, did, like, are you saying it's, it's an exercise that you do with him that uplifts both, both of your moods mm -hmm. and because it uplifts yours and you're probably engaging in that exercise for you there, it feels a little imbalanced. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I guess so. Which, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to feel that way. And, you know, the other thing that I can say that does genuinely really help um, is sometimes it does feel like it gets him going in a little bit more engaged with me and a little mm -hmm. bit of that kind of like behavioral momentum of helping mm -hmm. make sure that yeah. he's he's staying on track and it's probably behavioral momentum for me too of some some amount of like feeling more connected with him on both ends of of that and you know if we can do a couple hand targets and a couple spins then we might be able to start that search both of us feeling more connected because that is one of the biggest differences between niffler and barley so far is because niffler has never done anything other than be a search dog versus mm -hmm. barley was my companion for a couple years he's done agility Niffler disconnects from me really easily during searching, which is one of the things that makes him a really great search dog, but it also can be very frustrating to like, just be like, no, it's time to turn around and start a new transect or whatever. And he's mm -hmm. just kind of like, woo, like yeah. off in his own world. Um, so sometimes starting out with that food training is like a really good practical thing. But yeah, maybe I'm just in my head a little bit about feeling like conflating that with the idea of like yeah. using dogs to cure depression. It's like, I'm not doing the same thing, but maybe mm -hmm. it sometimes feels that way to me yeah. in a way that's not quite reasonable. Because it sounds like the outcome of that is actually positive for both of you. It's not like yeah. it's just for you. It is it is behavioral momentum, like you said, for both of you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I guess so. Yeah. And I'm well, wondering cool. too, it's like, how is that different or the same as knowing to put a long line on, right? Um, mm -hmm. I know it's it's a management strategy versus a training strategy, but but they're this they're strategies, right, to support your emotional health, the dog's emotional health in that moment. It's basically you're you're setting up the conditions so that both of you are going to be either more connected or yeah. Um, yeah, more connected is probably the best word I can come up yeah, with. Yeah, no, I mean, now that you're kind of putting it in that framework, it's like, oh, yeah, we're just doing some good antecedent arrangement on both mm -hmm. ends of the leash um, to make sure that I'm at least more able to show up mm -hmm. and train uh, the way that I want. Or Because, you know, I don't even want to say we're not really training. We're I'm handling them. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 That, that does make a lot of sense. Um, and I haven't I haven't had a day like this for a little while. Mm -hmm. um, I, I will say there are probably moments almost every day where he does something that annoys me. Um, but yeah. I probably do something that annoys him too. Sure. Um, 
uh, today, one of the, like today, the thing he did was we were working off leash at a turbine and he caught a scent and was following the scent cone. It was absolutely beautiful working on his end, except he followed it like 60 meters to a dead cow, <laughs> which is absolutely not what we're searching for. Wow. And I was just pretty, kind of, it was beautiful. It was beautiful yeah, work on his cool. part, uh -huh. but I was just kind of standing there and he wasn't recalling to me i couldn't get him to leave the carcass uh -huh. and it was one of our last plots of the day and i was just like i don't want to have to walk an extra 120 meters to go get you and bring you back and he also wasn't alerting because it was like if he'd alerted to it i might have considered rewarding him for it because it was you know technically animal decomp as far uh -huh. as like cow versus bat i might have rewarded him for it but he just stood there <laughs> and like it took you know like five minutes to recall him and i could see him you know there was nothing in danger but uh -huh. it's just frustrating and just like again yeah if i were if i were not working i might have just put him in the car and headed home at the end of that but we had to go do a couple more plots yeah so i'm thinking about i'm going back to that day again where you were you able to notice the self-care techniques that you talked about and implement them on that day or did you feel stuck i think a bit of both um okay. it's yeah probably feeling stuck at first i know one of the other things that i have done that i don't think is actually effective but i do do is i will also text my coworkers um here who are also handling their dogs and it's probably more of like a venting sort of thing, at least at first, that's probably not as healthy. Mm -hmm. um, but oftentimes my coworkers have been pretty good about being like, well, do you want to end the day early? Do you want, you know, do you want us to take a couple of your plots? And like, I think I'm coming to them almost wanting emotional validation and they're going into a problem solving mode, which normally isn't what you would want to do in a relationship. I, I would think but in this coworker specific situation it actually works quite nicely where they can kind of almost kick my brain back into the gear of problem solving and just being like oh right yeah okay i could just end the day early i can mm -hmm. you know i can put a leash on him i can reward him for extra things i can put some gimmies out to help make sure that he's feeling really up and motivated and one of the other things i've found is if he's if he's making more fines, he moves more slowly and I get less frustrated with him if he's moving more slowly and method meth mm -hmm. methodically and staying close to me versus when he's not finding much, he tends to range much more, which makes sense. Mm -hmm. But then I'm ending up calling him back to me a lot. And that I think is probably frustrating for both of us. Yeah. And so you said something about problem solving might not be the right option for a relationship, but it's interesting. Problem solving sounds like that does switch. It like gives you space to yeah. think that there are other options. Yeah, I think it's funny because I think like this was an argument I've had with um, at least one of my exes <laughs> of, you know, me coming to them with what uh -huh. I feel like is an emotional problem that I yeah. want support for and them going into problem solving mode. Yeah. Mm -hmm. generally makes me feel worse but for whatever reason in this particular situation with my coworkers, maybe because i'm not so emotional about it i'm able to then kind of be like oh right yeah um uh oh, there options. are solutions yeah yeah and, I have options. and potentially it's also because we're actually communicating in real time when it's like this problem actually has something that like needs to be solved and it's mm -hmm. not just something that i can step away from and and vent about like it one way or another i have to do my turbines today um so yeah. yeah was that the question you were asking yeah 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 and um because i'm i'm wondering if if you wake up you're feeling grouchy you're feeling overwhelmed whatever it is you don't want mm -hmm. to go to work <laughs> that which we all feel that way i know, I know. <laughs> I know, uh, but like yours, yeah. I mean, your specific example, like if I don't want to go to work and like write an email or something, like it is different, right? It versus yeah. if I don't want to go to work and then I have to, I don't want to, um, like if you were to go to work and it be an off day and you'd have a hard time, what are you concerned about happening? I think the biggest thing I'm concerned about is my relationship with Niffler and his training. 
Okay. Um, Say more about that. I think because if I'm going to work and having an off day and I'm likely then to lose my temper at him for something that I wouldn't normally lose my temper at him for or wouldn't want to be. I mean, I never really want to lose my temper. That's not a fun thing. Mm-hmm. And it's not how I want to interact with my dog or the world. But um, I, that's kind of the biggest concern, I would say, is that mm-hmm. like, yeah, I, I don't want to lose my temper at him. I don't want to startle him or upset him and especially there's kind of this additional pressure of within the search context it's one thing if like uh, i've probably told this story to you before and i know i've told it on at least one podcast before of teaching barley to back up and i got frustrated enough times when i was teaching him to back up and i was just sighing i was just like Ugh. you know because he was mm-hmm. i think he was backing up into a, a down or maybe a, a bow i can't remember mm-hmm. maybe both um <laughs> And after like two or three days of training sessions like that, I cued him to back up and he just went and hid under the couch. Yeah. And it was awful, but it's like, oh, well, it's just back up. Like, it's just, I just broke like kind of a useless thing that I was just teaching him for no reason. But like, if the equivalent were to happen with Niffler's searching, like I've got this one-year-old dog that I'm hoping to have 10 years of co-working with together. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and maybe that's one of the other things that is part of the problem here is like figuring out how to feel empowered enough as a young professional to be able to put my relationship and my dog's long-term career first. And maybe there might be a day, and luckily this didn't happen yet this summer, where the right thing for my dog's long-term career and our long-term relationship would be to not work at all. And I would hope that I would be able to make that call Mm -hmm. and that, I'm either working with under the sort of people who would understand that. Um, yeah. I mean, really just hoping that I'm working under the sort of people that would understand that and be able to navigate that with me. Um, and, you know, one of the things I was thinking of um, as you were kind of, I don't remember what the question was, but I did think of this actually does remind me. Oh, cause we were talking about the fact that, you know, of course we all work, wake up some days and don't want to go to work. Mm-hmm. And there's two things that kind of came to mind as you said that. One being, I think sometimes I feel guilty that I don't want to go to work because I have this dream job. You know, I have this job that I've like, I've worked so hard for and like so many people would be so thrilled to have my job. And I get told that every day on social media, like every day I get comments from people to the tune of, oh my gosh, you're so lucky. I wish I had your life. I wish I had your job. And there's this like guilt then whenever I don't feel, you know, I don't like wake up and just go, wow, I'm so excited for work. I'm such a grateful, cheerful person. Here's a sunflower and a cup of tea, you know, like, of course I don't do that every day, but there's this like guilt with that. And then, um, so there's that. Um, And then the other thing that came to mind, which is completely unrelated to that, but was is related to the idea of waking up and not going to work and this was something i struggled with actually when we used to work together at the shelter and having these days where i woke up and you know whether i was pmsing or didn't sleep well or whatever it was and just being like oh god i don't know if i can go in and work with a high arousal shelter dog today because i don't know if i can like interact with this dog without becoming extremely frustrated because i'm just like my head is just not screwed on straight and at the shelter i think you know, I had the ability to be like, hey, can I work with cats today? <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, can I work with fearful dogs fearful where I dogs, just like yep. mm-hmm. sit did, on the other end of the, the kettle and play treat and retreat? <laughs> yeah. You know, because um, normally, as you may remember, I loved working with the higher arousal yep. dogs. That was, that was my jam, but some days it wasn't. <laughs> Yes. And some days it wasn't. So there's a few things I want to say and a few questions I have as well. Like when... So there, there sounds to me like there is this pressure to actually do and be a lot of things. So Mm -hmm. to do is to go to work, to make sure that you're supporting a healthy relationship, to get the training exercises, right. Uh, right. Like it is a lot of doing, like you Mm -hmm. need to be able to do all these things and it has to happen today. And like, there's all this pressure. And then there is this, um, pressure to, to, to sort of show up and be a certain way, which is like mm-hmm. knowing what to do in the relationship with the dogs, um, cheerful, 
you kept saying cheerful a lot, right? Like really yeah. positive, um, free from frustration, um, like not feeling guilty, right? Like the, it, it's this sort of um, perfectionism, right? Um, mm. And I'm curious when your dogs don't show up perfect because they don't, what <laughs> sort of um, grace do you offer them? Like, let's say Barley is like, he's having a hard day. Yeah. How do you handle that? I mean, I think, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm supportive emotionally to him, you know, with whatever he needs. And then I'm usually going into some amount of problem solving mode of trying to figure out why, you know, what, what do you need in this moment? Do we need to, do we need, um, do we need a massage? <laughs> do we need, yeah. um, did you, do you need more food? Do you need to sleep? Like, you know, what can I offer you to help? Or, you know, do I need to go put you away for a little while, um, mm -hmm. and let you sleep or, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's, uh, but definitely more, more grace. I, I mean, I think many of us, uh, uh, can relate to the idea of we're better, uh, we're kinder to our friends and, Ho mm -hmm. maybe hopefully to our dogs than we are to ourselves. Yeah. So, yeah, because I think you have the skills and you have the wherewithal yeah. to like notice that and then be kind and offer your dogs grace. But I want to point out two things that you said, you yeah. want support first, like, like acknowledgement yeah. and support for that emotional reaction in addition to like problem solving. And I yeah. don't know if we can move straight into problem solving without having that feeling or that experience validated. Like some people might not need that. Um, it mm -hmm. sounds like given what you said earlier, it is helpful at times for you to have your experience valued, validated. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, and it's interesting because no one's there with you. Mm -hmm. It's just you and Niffler. So then <laughs> yeah. the only, the only person that's, that is on the hook for validation would be you, right? For you yeah. to offer it to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess one of the other things I have done that has been helpful is one of my good friends, Tony, um, is also a field biologist and like at least a couple days I've texted her and and it's funny, um, this is maybe one of the hallmarks of a really good friend. I've texted her with a question along the lines of like, how do you survive long field seasons? And she's been like, oh my gosh, I know what you mean. It's super tough. What's going on? You know, like she knows yeah. that I'm not actually asking the question that I'm asking, um, which I mean, she's just an excellent friend. And I've got, you know, her and then my good friend Charles are like the two people that over the course of this summer, I've had a couple days where I've like texted one or both of them and just been like, so I, I guess I am able to get that support elsewhere. And I think one of the things that I'm really excited about with this conversation already is like, kind of realizing some of the coping mechanisms I was using that were smart and good that I wasn't recognizing that I was using. Yeah. Um, and just, you know, kind of like operationalizing these things and listing them out for selfishly, of course, for myself, but also hopefully for anyone else who's listening, who's run into similar things. Mm -hmm. Because I mean, are you in a place where you're expecting that you wake up daily, cheerful and ready to go because people are telling you that your job is great on Instagram? Yeah. Like, is that the expectation? <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I think that is the expectation I've been putting on myself. Um, I mean, no wonder that when it yeah. comes up, what, no wonder that when you wake up in the morning, you're like, Oh my gosh, there it is. I've been trying to avoid this, this, this thing. Right. And yet yeah. it's still there because it's life. And because yeah, everything fluctuates our mood behavior. Right. So the conditions. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes like today it was just super hot and dry. It was just like my eyeballs hurt. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be yeah. here. I don't want to be outside. Yeah. 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 It's hot. <laughs> I don't want to be outside. <laughs> like you can see I'm like sweating here. Our <laughs> followers can, but, um, yeah, no, I mean, it's funny because I don't think if, if we hadn't kind of primed my brain for this conversation already. And, um, I don't think if you hadn't, if you hadn't named things so specifically, I don't think I would have admitted that that is like the pressure that I'm putting on myself. 
I don't, yeah. I, like if you'd asked me 35 minutes ago, I don't think I would have been like, I would have been like, of course, I don't think that I need to wake up cheerful and grateful and happy to go to work every day. But apparently I have been putting that pressure on myself. Yeah, it's funny. The word cheerful is really interesting because I, you kept saying that over and over again when yeah. I wrote it down because I was like, oh, wow, that's like, and I do think just as a side note, not something as it relates to you, but it, but it is part of this particular conversation is that, gosh, we as positive reinforcement trainers, the pressure to be positive all the time and the pressure to show up in a way that is supportive and kind and offering grace and doing the right thing by the dog, like it is real. And I always go back to the blog post that you wrote like forever ago about like, Hey, I got frustrated with my dog mm -hmm. and people were so excited about that post because it like, it's human. Like we're all human. Yeah. Like, yes, there are good strategies to implement. There's management plans we can do. There's like amazing training exercises to offer choice. And life happens. And I think that yeah. like the more we stop talking about that, the expectations get a, a, a little bit more unrealistic and a little bit more mm -hmm. unrealistic. And then we all feel like we're not arriving to this place that is supportive of our dogs and ourselves. And so I guess I'm sort of encouraging our listeners to like, you're going to try your best with the tools that you have in that moment. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's going to be less than ideal. And like, yeah. that is life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think there's something interesting too about the nexus of like, you're absolutely right on like the positive reinforcement trainer thing, being so much pressure so to much just pressure. always, and, and not just with people, but also, you know, definitely with people as well, which is a good thing. Mm -hmm. I think expectations are good. Pressure is bad, you know, yes. um, mm -hmm. or maybe, you know, so, something along those lines. Yeah. We'll, it, we'll not overthink that yet. Um, but that there's this nexus of positive reinforcement training and social media that I think um, can be really challenging, particularly because when I'm out on assignment for my, my job, I tend to be really socially isolated and I fill that void with the junk food that is social media. And that social media already has so much kind of toxic positivity in it yep. as well. Yep. Um, and, you know, again, like, it's like, oh, I live in a van and I do this amazing job and I get to go to work every day in these beautiful places with my dog. And like, look at this picture of my dog and my van in front of the sunrise. And like, it's like, yeah, but the downside of that is I woke up in the dark and I like, I, I've been waking up so early all summer that I'm not hungry. So I don't eat breakfast. And, you know, and I'm just like, my, I've like gained weight because I'm eating so much junk food because I like don't have time or want to cook, yeah. you know? <laughs> And it's just yeah. like, there's all of this like messiness that I think both positive reinforcement training and social media, like don't like to allow. Yeah. The, I think the messiness is so important to talk about. And I think it's brave of you to, to be talking about this today because yeah, it's, if we don't, if we don't talk about the messiness, it's amazing. It's like, it just doesn't exist. And then when it pops up because it is part of life and it is part of the process, when it pops up, it's like such a debilitating moment. It's like, right. Like we're like, why are you here? And you're like, well, because that's how life works. Like, like yeah, it feels like running into your ex. <laughs> you're just like, ah. Ah. no, no, no. We decided when we broke up that this was my coffee shop. <laughs> like, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's uh, like, so I feel like the more we push it out, we have the worse resistance. it is when it comes in. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sorry, I cut you off. So no, maybe was, you were I going was, elsewhere. I, mean, yeah. I was going to say that. Exactly. <sighs> yeah. You know, it's so, funny. Um, this relates to, and I'll, I'll let you go in a second. Um, no, yeah. I, I was having a really lovely evening um, with one of my best friends um, a couple weekends ago. I like I drove six hours up to Minnesota to go see one of my best friends a couple weekends ago because I was like, I just I need some good social interaction with someone that I really love and care about mm -hmm. and have for years. And we were, we were discussing perfectionism. And she said something about me being a perfectionist. And I was like, I don't think I'm a perfectionist. And she she kind of like looked at me and I was like, am I? And, and I ended up having this like mind blowing moment of being like, oh my God, my, my whole life I've thought I'm not a perfectionist because I thought that I was accepting my imperfections 
but I actually like this whole time was just like, I'm not perfect. So I can't be a perfectionist. Like in my head, I thought that perfectionists were perfect who just didn't realize they were perfect. Oh, and, like, wow. That yeah, like, really, yeah, that's really interesting. That is like what I thought that perfectionism was, was someone who was like perfect, but not realizing it. And it's actually like all of us mere mortals thinking that other people are perfect and thinking we can't attain that. Yeah, there is, there is, it's not a thing. Yeah, yeah. But I, apparently for 27 years, I've thought I wasn't a perfectionist because I thought that perfectionists were perfect. That's so funny. And I don't, when I think of a perfectionist, like I think of someone that like doesn't act until something's perfect. Do you know what mm. I'm saying? Like that could be one way to look at it. Um, yeah, which you totally, I don't fit in. I don't, which I don't think you fit either. in there. I don't fit mm -hmm. in that. Like we will make, no, we will make shit happen. And then we will edit as we go along. Like we're like, I, yeah. I think that we're pretty sort of willing and brave in that moment, right? Like throw it out yeah. there and we'll make edits. Um, but it's, we, it's like, it's just the pressure that is put on. Like I, yeah. I like I resonate with that word. Like I put a lot of pressure on myself. I'm really hard mm -hmm. on myself and I have these thoughts that perpetuate that. So when you sent me that text and you were like, I have to work, like there was a lot of like really strong language and like, I have yeah. to work, I have to do it. And, and I got your text and I was like, I'm sure she does. And does she? Right. Like, mm -hmm. like, is there another reality within this? Because I think we get really stuck yeah. in, in, in the one thought process. Um, yeah. and it's really interesting how it, it, your thought went from, I have to work him. And then there was all these other thoughts behind it that was like, well, I should also be really grateful that I have an awesome job. And I also <laughs> am supposed to wake up really cheerful. And, I, and I'm also supposed yeah. to love my dog all the time and be really positive with him, right? Like there's all these other thoughts that were behind yeah. this, I have to do this work right now. And I think all of them are really important to sort of tease apart and ask if they're actually true because yeah. it sort of loosens up the story. And I, I've seen my clients do this all the time where they then are like, Oh, okay. I, I can, I can have permission to feel frustrated and wow. Without my grip on this story, I'm actually like way more productive in solutions. Yeah. When you kind of, what was the phrase you just used of like, loosening oh tease it out teasing it out that made me think of um when you're repotting plants and mm -hmm. if they're like a little bit root bound you kind of need to like pull out those roots a little bit yep so that they can oh, actually take take root and like grow and that's what i'm feeling like where it's like i had this one big thing that i was i was fixated on which could be like a tap root if we've got gardeners uh i'm just i'm, I'm liking this analogy right now yeah, I am too. but then i had all these other other roots kind of bound up around it and like you had to kind of deal with at least a, a bunch of them mm -hmm. before like things are actually going to feel happy at, and better as we're going forward you know like that mm -hmm. that we're actually able to like grow from there um, and I think one of the things that's interesting is how easy, how much easier it is to challenge or rethink some of those assumptions than others. You know, like it is so easy for me to be like, oh my gosh, well, Niffler's, he's 11 months old. He doesn't have to be perfect. We're doing great. But I'm the experienced handler, so I have to be perfect. And like, it's so much easier for me to like challenge some of those assumptions versus others. Um, Mm -hmm. And maybe that's part of the behavior change plan is that you go with the ones that you can right now. And like, okay, maybe, maybe perfectionism has to wait until I find another good steady, steady therapist for myself. But like, what about some of these other uh, things? I like the way you were kind of talking about, like, there's the one in front of like, I have to work him, but then mm -hmm. there's these other like 15 assumptions trailing on behind yeah. it. Yeah. And like, okay, maybe, maybe five or six of those are like too big and too uncomfortable to, to deal with mm -hmm. um while i'm in the field or in the mo in, in the moment that morning but like okay can we look at like five or six more and and kind of actually tackle those in a meaningful way because again some of them are going to be 
easier to dismiss. Like, again, it's really easy for me to dismiss the idea that my, my 11 month old has to be perfect. As long as I think about it consciously, I have to remind myself, I have to say that sentence in my head because otherwise I will hold him to the standard of barley. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's interesting that you said something about like, okay, you're like, well, he's 11 months and you know, he doesn't have to be perfect, but I have to be perfect as a handler. And I mm -hmm. guess I wanted to say that, like, I, or I wanted to ask, does that level of thinking have a hidden assumption that both of you will arrive to a place of perfection? Oh, totally. Yeah. And I, that, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, what I was, yeah. that's what I was yeah. sensing. And I'm like, mm, mm, oh, yeah. That oh, language uh... might need to <laughs> shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's uh, 11 months, so... So he's not perfect too. yet, of course, but we're I mean, great. oh my God, by the time he's 36 months, we'll be good. <laughs> like, oh, Kayla, come on. Yeah. You're just doing the same mistake again. Uh, that's funny. Well, here's the wow. thing. It's interesting yeah. that you're talking about, like, you know, or you're reflecting back what I said in terms of, here's the main thought. I have to get up for work. And then there's all these other thoughts behind it. And it's funny, when you start actually thinking about how your thoughts impact your behavior and impact, like what you decide to do next um and how you show up emotionally and all of these things right like our, our thoughts are 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 so powerful and this is what my coach has told me and i've seen this time and time again through the work that i have done with with her is that like there's all these thoughts that usually go back to like what she calls the stool there's four legs mm -hmm. to the stool and mm -hmm. there's four really core thoughts that we have as individuals. Like, like my, like my core thought is I'm an, I'm not enough. And then mm -hmm. that particular belief manifests in a variety of different ways. Like I didn't get enough done on social media or, um, you know what, my, my, um, podcast doesn't have enough exciting topics in it, right? Like it just manifests in a bunch of different thoughts throughout my life, but like the, the core of the, of the thought that is that really, you are not is that i'm not enough right and yeah. it's like that's i mean it's a load of crap that i'm not enough but like it's yeah. it is interesting because when you start to actually think about some of your thoughts and and be and like be an observer to it you're like whoa i've got like a million to change but yeah. there's actually like there's a couple good roots there's yeah. a couple good core thoughts yeah. that are like that are are actually having a spiral um, yeah. And that's something for your therapist, right? Like that's, that's yeah, not yeah, totally. me, right? Um, but I think that it is fun when I work with clients and to really help tease apart some of this stuff, because if I just go into fix it mode with them, I have found that yes, I will give them solutions and yes, their dog's behavior will be modified and so so will theirs. But what's interesting is that if they still have that thought about like, why do I have to carry treats or why is this so hard? Or um, I feel frustrated. Why did Marissa, why was Marissa able to do it? And I'm not right. If they still have those thoughts, they're going to impact the training plan. They're going to impact mm -hmm. the relationship with their dog. So being able to ask the questions that I've asked you today, I think is important mm -hmm to help, um, I don't know, clients take a look at the story that they're writing. Yeah. Cause it's going to impact our training plan, no matter what. Hey everyone, just popping into this episode with an update on our Patreon. We still have the $3 a month doggy detector level, which allows you to ask questions for me and the guests to answer each episode, but now also lets you join our monthly training video analysis calls. These calls are going to be recorded of course, and we'll also publish the video afterwards for everyone to view and ask questions about prior to the call to ensure that all time zones can participate fully. So we'll basically publish the video we're going to analyze so that you can ask questions and view it and prepare ahead of time. Then we'll have the call where we talk about it. We can have beverages. It'll be a good time. And then all of that is going to be shared later. So you can participate before, during, and after. Again, just for three bucks a month. Now, at the $10 a month sensational scientist level, you get everything that we got before at the $3 level, plus you get to submit videos of your training sessions for those calls. So this is perfect for the aspiring canine conservationist, and your target odor doesn't really matter here as long as you do communicate what it is so we can think intelligently about your goals. Um, so this is going to be great for nose work competitors and other canine handlers as well, and we're really striving to make these video calls super kind and supportive and helpful, so 
um, it's going to be a nice safe place on the internet to get good feedback on your training sessions, because I know how much of a struggle that can be, especially in the set work world. So then finally, the canine conservationist patrons get everything from those other two tiers, plus a private 30-minute training call with me to go over whatever you're running into with your dog. That tier is just 25 bucks a month, and that's cheaper than booking my time at journeydogtraining.com for behavior modification, and that's just because I love you and I love my patrons. That's definitely something to check out. You can join that Patreon over at patreon.com slash canineconservationists or at the link at canineconservationists.org. It's like a tiny link up in the top bar. And then we also drop that link into our show notes. So if you're listening on your podcast app, you should be able to find it just right from there. So thank you guys so much. And let's get back to the episode. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I uh, I love that. Do you have an, an, you know, I, again, I think anyone who really wants to answer these questions again should probably try to find a good counselor. But like, what are some of the ways that you have found to actually dig into some of like what are some of those those legs to that stool like how do you how do you find them <laughs> and if we can't answer that here that's okay so, again this I is have, a dog well, training podcast i have done i have done it with my coach yeah um working with her privately and i think it 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 does start off with like just being an observer of like mm-hmm okay, I'm feeling discomfort. That's a cue for me. It's like, I'm feeling like physical discomfort. That's a cue for me to go like, what thoughts am I thinking right now? And how is that impacting my behavior in a positive or negative way? Um, So just being an observer, the way that we're observers of dogs and our clients all the time, we're really, really good at like, watching our dogs and paying attention to them and noting all of these things. And yet like, maybe not generalizing or using those skills with our, with ourselves. So, um, I think just starting, starting to notice and, and write that down and working with a professional to really understand like, where is this, where is this coming from? And like, how does it impact me in a variety of different ways? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I can definitely say that like one of the things I've realized for myself over the summer has been like, coming to terms with the fact that I'm a perfectionist, (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. which I feel like, again, like people who like know me well, who are listening to this might be like, uh, Kayla, like, yeah, but, um, (laughs) it's been, it's been really to the party, Kayla. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think this idea for me that I've carried of like perfection is attainable is probably, you know, like one of those stories that I've told myself that again, kind of points this idea of like, Ooh, there's some like underlying perfectionism there that probably is not helpful. Oh, this was what I was thinking of. So one of the things I found really interesting is there's, it's so like self positive self-talk is so powerful. And I actually really enjoy and find a lot of power or empowerment even in labeling things positively as a Mm -hmm. way to kind of like shift your mindset. But Mm -hmm. I think the dark side of that is then when you don't reach that, if you are probably most people would struggle with this then. So like one of the stories I tell myself a lot is that I am a cheerful person, is that I'm a successful person, is that I am a self-motivated blah, blah, you know, whatever it is. I've got all these stories about myself that are all really good. And I find that generally really good for my self-esteem and has been like a really helpful practice for myself. Except then when I don't live up to that, then Uh it feels like I've like betrayed myself Mm -hmm. in this much deeper way. And I I, I just find it really interesting thinking about, you know, we talk about labels all the time with our dogs of like, you know, is is Sully a reactive dog or is he a dog who like sometimes has feelings because, you know, Mm -hmm. many, Mm -hmm. many reasons both in his personal history and his genetic history as a part Pyrenees, yeah. um, Sully being Marissa's dog for listeners who aren't as familiar with her. Um, you know, and like those labels I think are probably generally unhelpful. Well, and it's interesting. You're saying uh, for Sully, you're saying it's yes. And it's because I would yeah. agree with all the labels that you just said, like that you are cheerful, uh-huh. uh, driven, motivated, successful. Like I, I would agree with that. And it's like, Kayla's really successful and, and she may have moments where 
she is not really feeling motivated to strive towards a specific yeah. goal and like that's okay and she needs to rest right it's yeah. not like, like Sally is a good dog who sometimes has big feelings exactly that's what i'm saying yeah. it's like it it's like the yes and so it like it, yeah. it creates room for both that like again that when you are um le less motivated right not even unmotivated when you are less motivated it doesn't slap you in the face and you're like what like we totally. don't identify with that. We identify with being motivated only. Like, what? Why are you here, right? And so it's yeah. It does create space for both, both options, um, mm -hmm. which I think, I think is important because when we get really grippy on our story or like really like blinders on to that one story, we just don't. We're not open to all these other options. Um, yeah, and all grippy these is a really good word options. for it. It's like all these other realities like we're yeah. only seeing a sliver of our reality based off of the thoughts that we're thinking mm -hmm. but there are other realities that we're just not open to in that particular moment because we we've got the negativity bias blinders on right so mm -hmm. um yeah it's like my did you say grippy is a good word it's such a good word i'm imagining yeah. like have you ever picked up a tree frog <laughs> This is such a weird biologist question or like touched an octopus or anything. Like I'm imagining like literal, like little suction yeah. cups mm -hmm. where it's not that the, each individual one is like holding on that hard. It's not like if someone grabbed your arm to pull you back from traffic and it kind of hurts. Yeah. It's like each individual little, little grippy just has to be like suctioned off on its own. Mm -hmm. And each one matters. Yeah. Yeah, it's so interesting to just think about how like some of these labels can be used positively as long as we don't get too Grippy, too clingy, <laughs> too clingy with that it, story. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, and like of course you can be a cheerful person who has bad days. Of course. Yeah. But not me. <laughs> well, and, and I not think, me. <laughs> like you said, there's a lot of ways like that our society and our culture doesn't create space for that. And like social media, like the toxic yeah. positivity that you reference, like it, it's, it's like, we're fighting against this conditioning all the time. Like we, mm -hmm. but not for me, right? Like mm -hmm. wh what you just said. And so, yeah, tons of grace. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Tons of grace for all of us that are just trying to be, be kind <sighs> to ourselves and others and yeah, I feel like I like a hundred times a day try to channel my inner Chris Pockle, Doctor Pockle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, who's channeling his inner Brene Brown of like mm -hmm. everyone around me, including me, is doing the best they can with the tools they've got right now. Ooh, and like, so thank you for bringing that up because I was going to bring yeah. it up. Uh huh. My coach actually says everybody is doing the best that they can, including me, with the thoughts that they have. That Ooh. is a little bit of a mic drop, I think, because I'm oh. like, your thoughts are impacting what tools you're even reaching for. And what so, tools you see, what tools you know how to use, yep. what tools you're capable of using. All of that. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, I like that. I, like I mean, that. I kind of hate it, but I like it a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> She's pretty incredible. I love her. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, okay. Do you have anything you want to add? I think that's a great place to wrap up. Do you have anything you want to add before we tell people where to find you on social? No, I think that that was so great. Thank you for letting oh me be gosh, a part yeah. of discussion. Well done. Um, yeah. Well done. Bring it back to such a, a good little final point. So Marissa, you've got a book that people need yes. to buy because it it's about all of this. Um, yes. Tell us where to find that. Tell us where to find you. You offer all sorts of cool coaching and summits and all sorts of things that I think our yeah. listeners may be interested in. Thank you. Yeah. Um, you can find me online, pauseandreward.com. That's got everything there. The book, uh, my podcast, Pause and Reward. And um, we pictures also of Sully. have yeah, pictures, amazing pictures of Sully by my lovely oh friend, my Jenna. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, I also have the Connection Summit with Sarah Stramming, which is where we talk about all these topics, giving mm -hmm. space to really, um, yeah, like it's yes and. It's all it, mm -hmm. it's all of it. Um, so you can find me there or you can find me on Instagram and Facebook, Pause and Reward. Yeah, and we'll, of course, link to all that in the show notes, which you can find over at canineconservationists.com. Um, yeah, awesome. thank you so much for coming thank on, Marissa. This was a blast. It was so fun. 
Thank you so much for listening. I hope you learned a lot and are feeling really inspired to go out and be a canine conservationist in whatever way suits your passions and skill sets. Um, Marissa really inspired me to be kinder to myself, and I hope that I hope you found it helpful as well. Um, and this week's call to action is to follow us on social media, and then reach out to me if you're interested in helping out with creating a course. I videoed every single training session I did with Niffler that was related to scent work, starting when he was a 10-week-old puppy, going up through, you know, him starting to do his work. And I really want to turn this into a course that would be available to all of you, but I need help. So if you are interested, if you have any background in scent training in particular and have some free time and want to get involved, Go ahead and follow us on social media and send me a DM or email me at canineconservationists at gmail.com and we'll talk about moving forward with that. I would really appreciate the help. Um, until then, you can find show notes, donate to Canine Conservationists, and join our Patreon at canineconservationists.org. Until next time.